talking about? You heard him. You never give me a fair shake. HBO needs to fire you. You don't know shit about boxing. You ain't shit. You're not shit. I wish I was 50 years younger you and I'd care. kick your ass. You won't do shit. You won't do nothing. folks and welcome to another episode of the combat show with me Dara Morgan so this episode I'll be interviewing Dara Carroll and Glenn Murray both of whom are amazing wonderful just great people with infectious energies that I am privileged to actually have sat down with them in person and interview them rather than being over the phone because I just got so much energy from them and I actually spent a whole day on their boat. We cooked some unbelievable food and I'll just introduce the two of of them before I get into the interview. So Darrow Carroll is a chef and he worked in Michelin star restaurants um, and he traveled the world. He has some amazing stories. <laughs> like one of them was he, he was cycling 450k through Mexico on a a, a girl's bike with frills on the side of it and he explains that in the podcast as well which is amazing and basically his journey was and what we're going to go through is he's sailing from Norway down to uh, Limerick where he has a traveling wagon with a horse and where he wants to continue his journey um, expressing the beauty of Irish horticulture and um, the beauty of what we have to offer here foraging for food and showing that food in Ireland is beautiful we don't need to export import as much stuff as we have so it was unbelievable to chat with him and chat about his passions because I love chatting with people that are passionate about things and his passion was so infectious and what he done was he mingled all his passions into one traveling food meeting interesting people and that's what I tried to do with this podcast as well mesh all my uh, my passions in together and it doesn't really seem like work like when I'm recording this podcast it doesn't it doesn't weigh on me, it doesn't be like, oh, I have to record this, I really want to do it, because it allows me to mesh all my passions, and that really came across when I was talking to Dara, and I really like talking to people that have a distinct passion, and we all have a passion in life, but we just need to find it, and the best thing to do is to mesh all these passions together, and find work, find a job, or whatever out of this passion, and Jesus, that that's happiness in a nutshell, isn't it? And who who the other uh, amazing guy that I interviewed was my good friend um, Glenn Murray, who I box with in DCU, and we go through a few funny stories of how we met and uh, how we became friends. And uh, Glenn is just another guy who is just such an infectious energy and such a wonderful, wonderful soul. And you'll you'll hear that throughout the podcast how how amazing he is um, but what I want to say is you need to go over to at live life sexy on Instagram this is where Glenn puts up all uh, the Instagram stories of what they do on the boat it's unbelievable before that Dar was on his own so there was less content on social media because obviously in order to survive Dara has to work on the boat all day he doesn't have time like we discuss in the podcast to do that so having Glenn there documenting everything is unbelievable and Glenn is just unbelievably funny witty smart and he shares some brilliant stories and some harrowing stories about mental health and how he's dealt with his mental health which is so brave and so and he's so passionate about everything that he does. Um, he's an inspiration to myself. And hopefully he inspires 
you in some way or resonate with you in some way and uh, i'm really looking forward to you uh, listening to this podcast hope you enjoy it right so i'm here with two amazing lads i was just with them for the day actually on their boat they pulled into my hometown of Dunmore east which is lucky enough for me Uh, and (laughs) i'm here with glenn who is a boxer that I know quite personally because he tried to take me head off with gloves that were fucking... There was no say, <laughs> yeah, there was no fadden in him. Call it quits after yeah. you know what <laughs> And I'm joined by Darrow Carroll. got to meet him today and fucking hell, what an amazing person and Jesus, his story is unbelievable. So I think that's the best place to start is with yourself, Darrow. Like, tell us like where you sail from and where the motivation for that come, come from, you know. So I was, uh, it was conceptual around a culinary project I was kind of getting into. Mm. So I was back in Ireland, had worked in a lot of different restaurants, a few Michelin star restaurants around the world, been kind of traveling while working in high-end restaurants. And then when I wasn't working, I was budgeting my backpack and I was traveling with whatever I had saved while working in restaurants. And then I decided I was going to stop working for leaders or mentors. Mm. I had learned enough, so I decided I was going to, go on my own culinary adventure like yeah, all yeah. they had done yeah. you know a lot of chefs they spend their whole career working under another chef yeah, but I, I decided that I was going to take the reins and work on it myself so I went uh, kind of got into a project where I was working on accommodation with a rustic underground kind of restaurant mm-hmm. based around Irish heritage Irish food Irish history native Irish cuisine and celebrating the landscapes and the history of Ireland through a timeline of a tale of food, mm. bringing people through a story timeline of history, mm. but through food. Mm. So I was working on that, went through an entrepreneurial plan through that, and that entrepreneurial plan led me down into doing pitches, and you know, you're looking for government grants, government funding, because it was going through ecotourism, so there's a lot of money within mm. the ecotourism industry. And then I started to see, you know, a lot of money being put on papers, a lot of years of my life being put on papers mm. and contracts to sign. So I, I got cold feet and I said, oh shit, mm. you know, even though I had worked so hard to get to that stage, it was like a six months of grinding, doing business plans, business plans, a lot of time on computer. I'd never been spent time on a computer. So I was mm. spending hours and I, my head was melted. So I said, if I'm going to do this, I have to start this off my own backpack. I have to do this myself, save for this myself and get my culinary skills out there without having this huge backpack of five, ten year plans on my back. So I was like, what I wanted to do was celebrate Irish cuisine and Irish heritage. And I love traveling. So how could I combine my love for travel, Irish heritage and cuisine and being like very native to Ireland? So then I was like a traveling wagon. You know, like the boat, yeah, that yeah, gypsy yeah. wagon. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, "This is what I'm gonna do. This is the plan." Mm. It just came into my head one day. I'm gonna customize an open fire kitchen in a traveling wagon and drive around Ireland by horse, foraging and picking up any ingredients I could along the way, preserving them and jarring them off in the wagon. Yeah. And then moving from farm to farm while farms are in harvest, mm. or say lambs are being slaughtered, and you would go outside the farm celebrate their harvest by cooking their dishes roadside Mm. with the toppings of all the forage ingredients along the way and then having like base camps like you know like I was thinking you know glamping places Mm -hmm. where you would be like a pop-up chef that you would arrive with an open kitchen and you would cook for all the glampers that were there and you would move on and you could have glamping place glamping place and moving from base to base, just being a pop-up chef with a horse and a wagon and all your equipment and ingredients. So then I said, right, that's the plan, but I don't know how to drive a horse. But then I was just like, right, I'm going to buy a horse. I'm just going to buy a horse and I'm going to just go. I did to teach myself with this horse, like, you know. <laughs> so I'm there looking on the internet and my parents are like, Dad, come on now, don't be buying a horse. Like, and I was like, I'm going to get a horse, like, you know. And they're like, Derek, come on, it's going to be dangerous. You're going to be on the road. Years ago, you could do this and you'd be safe doing it years yeah, ago. But Derek, not now. You know, and yeah, I was like, like I was 28th like, century. Has yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. And I didn't tell them anything, you know. And 
they ring me one day and they're like, Dara, where are you? And I'm like, uh, I'm on my way to Limerick. Like, what are you doing down in Limerick? I'm going down to collect my horse, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and they're, like, they're just like, Dara, please, just leave this one. Like, you know, and I'm like, I'm going down to teach with a man. So I rang a fella, there was these huge Roman workhorses. I'd never seen horses like this. Huge workhorses that pull a tank. Jesus, yeah. Massive things. And I looked at them. As soon as I looked at them, I just went, all right, I have to make a phone call to whoever owns those horses because he knows about horses because they're a rare breed of horse. Mm. So I rang a man, there was a man named Paddy Hanley. And he was uh, he was driving horses for his whole life. He's a wheeler dealer of horses. And he's been driving horses for all different movies like Pirates of the Caribbean, War Horse, different series. He's basically the man in Ireland that any filming company would call if mm. they need someone in to drive horses. And he does, you know, funerals and weddings and everything like that. Mm. So I lived with him for two months, right. driving horses for funerals, communions and buying and selling horses in and out. And he was teaching me like I'd be rigging all the horses any time we'd be going. Be right, right. I need two here. Mm. Two rigged at the front, two at the back. So I learned everything about kind of horse yeah, driving. Yeah, him, yeah. Eventually got the horse, and I went over to Norway to save for the for the horse and the wagon. Mm. And uh, so I went over to a small little restaurant in a farmhouse in the middle of a nature reserve. Beautiful place, mm. loads of foraging ingredients. It was really cool menu. We were doing private events outdoor and doing a few weddings and small little exclusive events that people would come and we'd have a really nice put together menu of all the ingredients of the island and it was really cool in that sense but I was just there to save for the horse and the wagon but while I was there and I got enrolled in the Norwegian traveling culture and I was also got very romantic with the Norwegian wooden boats, they have a huge collection. You're not very romantic. You're romantic in a boat. This podcast is we keep it PG down no, there. You're in a big showing, You know what I mean? I fell in love. Like, you know? <laughs> Yup, the boat. <laughs> go on, go on, continue. <laughs> so then I was working on this concept about Irish travelling culture, you know, and I didn't even know Norway had a travelling culture. I knew northern Norway they had a nomadic culture mm. the Sami people mm. and that was very interesting they do they travel with the migration of the reindeer mm. so while the reindeer is migrating they just travel with that migration and feed off the migration of the reindeer yeah. and but I never knew that they had a Norwegian traveling culture that wasn't Sami or indigenous kind of northern uh, culture so what happened was the, the Vikings they eventually descended as big Viking families, huge Viking families that spent their days traveling from around Europe and around Norway in boats, mm. these families, as society developed, these big Viking families ended up as like gypsies who lived on boats traveling around Norway. Mm. Now, they became very similar to Irish travelers where the government wanted them out, the government didn't want them around, yeah. it wasn't clean, their kids weren't technically being properly educated, mm. the government says, yeah. and they were going from harbour to harbour, fixing boats, fixing sails, doing up ropes, jobs from place to place. And then I said, I met a man and he was from one of the last families that were taken off the boats. And I kind of got, fell in love with the fact that the last free frontier is not on the land. It's actually the sea. Mm -hmm. That you can anchor a boat anywhere, mm -hmm. but you can't keep a wagon anywhere. Yeah. Unless you have permission now, you're always going to need permission. And also the fact that you don't have to feed a boat, really. You don't have to work on it a lot, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's not a horse. So then I was kind of thinking, okay, the Norwegians have a little bit of a smarter system mm. of that lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, it's, so it's a better system. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Then I kind of was like, I should really, I looked at this boat, I looked at this guy, mm. And then while I was in on the island, I was doing a lot of meditating in the forest. Mm. And it all kind of came into play that I was lighting for a lot of fires in a hoof, ancient ceremonial site in on the island. The island had a lot of historical resonance within the Vikings. Mm. And I was meditating to a fire. And this fire said I would have to carry this spirit of abundant nature from a place of flourishment to a place where its forestry has been massacred to bring about fertility, 
Now, this mission wasn't just an easy mission. It wasn't something that settled in my head very easily, but something that just went deep really quick and a world opened up that I would have to actually carry a physical fire from Norway to Ireland in the middle of winter time. You know? Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're just talking about there. We make the summer, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's about the, the collecting of the energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you had to go through that to collect strength mm. of power and everything yeah. for the fire to do its its job when it gets to Ishnok. Definitely, yeah. So then the man who owned the boat, he came. This He arrived just on a harbour randomly. And I was kind of contemplating this fire idea, thinking, no, it's not a good idea, man. Just let, let it go, like, just mm. leave it out of head. Bringing a fire, like, if you even say this to someone, it's, it's like, what the like, yeah, you know? yeah. So <laughs> even talking about it, man, is enough. Like, yeah, yeah, about it, when you're actually putting words out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thinking about this too much is not yeah, a good idea, like, yeah. are you going to be in a jacket pretty soon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, They're going to lock me up the here. Why can't you come on, <laughs> so then I met the owner of the boat and I loved the boat as soon as I seen it Rand pulled up and I went over just to talk to the owner and asked him where he, where the boat was made and everything like this and he was like he's gonna sail 50 miles south mm. two days and he needed a sailor to come with him so I jumped on board he said if you want to come I'm gonna get a lot of beers and we're gonna have to crack he was a big pirate with all gold teeth and big hoop earring tattoos and you know, proper yeah, fire, proper day, fire you know, yeah, like. yeah. and uh, we, I jumped on board, and I'm going down, and then he he started saying, "And did you see a fire anywhere?" And I'm like, "No, no." The reason why he turned into that harbor is that he's seen a huge fire in the harbor with people waving like this, and he arrived, and I was just sitting there, and that's the honest truth. That the reason why he went into that harbor was there was a fire, and then I'm like, "Fuck." No. Now I'm gonna have to fucking do it. Now I'm gonna have to do it. Now I'm gonna have to do it. And then I'm looking at the boat and he's like, You know this boat could do it and I'm like, No, 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 this is not working out. This, this work. idea is turned into reality. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Kind of what I was like, this like, is this is manifesting itself. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not even trying to do this, but it's it's just happening. It's just happening, yeah. And then he was like, This boat's not for sale. Mm. And I told him about the fire and what I had seen and the impiction and he was like, You have to do this. And then he brought me back to a hoof he randomly has in his, he brings me into a forest mm. and he knows all about these hoofs and the power, power of visionary projecting in these hoofs and the power of how things can manifest mm. from visionarily projecting something in these sacred spaces. So he brings me up to a hoof outside his house and we go out there and we light a fire and then everything else. And he says, you have to do this. And I will give you this boat for just as much as I paid for it, with all accessories that you're going to need. GPS, sailing suits, two anchors, ropes, rigging, extra sails. like, And it was like three grand for the whole boat. So I was like, what? Oh, we're leaving engine. Steel, man. You know? so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I was like, and it just happens that the traveling wagon in Ireland was the exact same price. Mm. Given to me for a very similar reason. Mm. Otherwise, you're paying like 16 grand for a traveling wagon in Ireland. Yeah. So then I'm in a position where I'm like, fuck, now I'm going to have to light a fire, put it on a boat, sail across the North Sea in the middle of winter with a blazer on board and somehow make it back to Ireland with this fire, keeping it going for the whole time oh. and then get it onto land, bring it on land by horse and then by horse and cart bring the fire to the centre of Ireland, the middle of Asianark, with the same fire burning the whole time. Man. And then I would be able to put it out and then mission accomplished. Man, this story just, it just keeps getting crazier and crazier and crazier. <laughs> but what I love about it now is that since you came to Ireland, you actually had Glenn here to document a lot of it. Because I'd say, when you're on, like I was chatting to you there earlier, I was like, do you ever have time? And you're like, this boat is a full time. This is full time. I'm not yeah, fucking on it. Did you see us last night? We woke up yesterday at five in the morning, right? Yeah. To, to do the boat, whatever. The tide's going up and down. Yeah. Then we had time for a bit of dinner. And I got into bed at 11 o'clock last night. And the captain says, where are you going, Glenn? And I say, what do you mean where am I going? I'm getting into bed. The matter has been up since five o'clock. He says, we only done one side of the boat. And I says, what do you mean we only done one side of the boat? So we were up until like three or four in the morning. <clears> so 5 a.m. 
three or four in the morning, and then literally woke up, crack it on, the toy was gone back in again. So it's like, it's oh, work man. ethic, do you know what it's I mean? To, it, to live this life, yeah. Massive work to just keep the boat going, you were saying. Yeah, like, yeah. like, you don't have any time to be documented, no. but it's brilliant to have Glenn there. Like, that's the only reason yeah. I found out about you. It was literally through Glenn and actually through Derek O'Hearn, I must give him a shout out to man. Yeah, yeah. Um, he he uh, put me onto the page and I was just like, man, this is unbelievable. And <laughs> loads of people know about it now. But this is the quietest I've probably seen Glenn in a good one. I just got a for ADHD, okay? Give me a break. <laughs> so I'm going to bring him in now. So how's it been travelling with the captain? Um, it's It's been... It's one of I was blessed, very uh, blessed to have such a journey. You know, yeah. it's kind of life is kind of funny. Um, we talked last night about how beautiful life is and the universe pulling. We done another podcast with Coffee, Coffee and Conversations podcast, and he mentioned, you know, the reason he didn't reach out to me because he was on a poor ship. He he reached out to us because of the journey and the story. So yeah. it's quite it's quite really really insane. So basically. I was traveling the world for seven, eight years. I met Dara in um, 2015, living in Whistler, Canada. And um, he was, we were, that was my first uh, kitchen job and he was he was cooking and he was doing mental hours so we couldn't really spend time but we kind of got on like a house on fire. Um, he says to me, we're at a party, right? And everybody would say it was, not, not normal, but we were kind of, we had so much energy. We were lost. We were looking mm. for ourselves. You could see it from each other's eyes, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> see, looking into my eyes, you could see the ocean. And looking into his eyes, you could see the devil. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you could see the fire. Yeah. So, <laughs> so basically, he says, you know, we were laughing and joking. And I, at the time, I was under the influence. Uh, I was delusional to the problem I had with drink. And also delusional. I didn't didn't know I was suffering from mental illness. Uh, my friends would say, you know, you need professional help. And I think I was playing great. I was in the Illuminati. And I could talk about this for days. But anyway, he says, what would you like to do, Glenn, if you had money? If you won the lotto? And I says, the first thing that I do if I won the lotto, I'd buy a cherry picker. I'd go to the, the Democratic or the Dominican Republic of Congo. I don't know which one is correct. I'm the most unpolitical. I don't know. Yet. You know as well but as anyway, me. It was the Congo. It was yeah. the Congo. I was heading with a cherry picker if I won the lotto. Giving out food parcels with a four jacket and a crown on my head and everybody chanting my name because I was egotistic <laughs> and I was under the influence. So Dara loved it. Dara thought that's the best idea he ever heard. He thought it was art. Yeah, yeah. So then he says, hey, what, what would you do? And he says, uh, I'll get a portal ship. And I'd uh, sail the seven seas with um, all the money on board, and I'd just have a rave and I'd cook feasts, you know. So, anyway, I was traveling, I became sober, I'm sober almost two years on the 21st of July. Mm, and um, all of a sudden, I didn't know I was suffering from mental illness. You think life is rainbows and butterflies when you're sober, you know, mm. but then you get the real answers to like, you, you have to look at life face value, face on. Mm. You know, why are you sad? If, if you're living, I was living in one of the most secluded islands in the world called. Atataki, it's an island off the coast of the Cook Islands. It's paradise, you know, there's only about a thousand people live there. Um, palm trees, coconuts, it's, it's, I've never been to a place like that, and I don't think I ever will. So I had a mental breakdown there, and I just felt like, where I was sounding too cliche, mm. I felt like basically I've been dreaming of this place seven, eight years to live here, and I've walked around the world for a resume to get myself to work on this island. So I got flown there, started cooking like you would say professionally in decent kitchens, got got flown there. Mm. When I got there, I was on Moonfoot Island in mm. Atataki and it's it's white sand that squeaks, it's palm trees. And then I got appointed boxing coach for the Cook Islands and also um it was it was crazy. I get to the island and Moonfoot Island and it's white sand that squeaks and blue oceans and all of a sudden it was like black I like hearing ringing bells in my ears and mm. everything went black. Mm. And a girl was with me, Michaela Jane and she flew in from Australia and she's like, Glenn, I've been to 100 places and I've never been. First of all, she was there. She says, ah, it's normal that you live here. Yeah. But then when we went to one for oil and she's like, Glenn, this what the fuck? Yeah. This is you live here and you predicted like this, you know, this is this is bonkers. Mm. So a fella that used to taught, uh, teach the IRA, um, he, he was a professor, he used to teach the IRA English and all sorts of different education schemes. Mm. He was there and... Um, when Michaela was, was going up grabbing food and all, he was so interested, you know, he was like, what are you doing here? And I was lying. I was like, I'm here on my honeymoon, or I didn't want to talk that I live here, because I didn't want to ask him, because deep down I was, I was hating life, and I was like, well, if this is everything I've dreamed for, and it's not what I'm looking for, life is shit. Or it's yeah. like a complete life. Yeah, that, yeah. Not, in a, not in a cliche. No, it makes sense. Like, there's you know a, what I mean? There's a few stories, like, 
Did you ever hear of Tyson Fury once he won the world? Yeah, there's like, nothing left. It, nothing it, left it, to live it's for. It's like he achieved his dream. What's and next? then he's just like, oh, that's it. What's yeah, next? Yeah, yeah. It's a lot, a lot of times people find that. It's like, right, I'm here now. But I find, I find it mad. We're, we're speaking of mental health with that, with that side of it because a lot of people say, when you reach out to people, right? Yeah. They say, they say, there's bigger problems in the world, the homelessness, the starve, people starving, what's going on now, Black Lives Matter. But when you're, when you're at war with your mind, you don't give a fuck about that. When I wanted to die, oh yeah, I didn't. And then people think you know you're looking for attention, but the thing is, it's 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 more than that because the statistics show that mental illness people are dying every day. Every day this week, I've got a phone call. Right, yeah. people are actually dying from mental illness. It's not a joke. It's like I joke and I've kind of I have a lot of energy, but yeah. when it comes to mental illness, it's no joke. It's like I my mum saved my life. Long story short, without going too much in detail, I was basically had a mental breakdown, didn't know I was suffering. So, decided, I left the island, and uh, I decided everything I said was right. Now is the time. I'm going to fucking die. Mm. I can't cope with my mind, the pain. Mm. And if I'm being frankly honest, not only did I think about harm myself, it was it was a very dangerous environment. I was working in a negative kitchen, the most negative environment I've ever worked in. Mm. And the pain that I was in, they didn't understand me. And I wanted to put, inflict that pain yeah. on him to, just to show him that I'm human. Yeah. And I was getting all these thoughts with my ADHD and OCD and psychosis that that I was like, it was killing me. Mm. And then my best friend, what it was kind of nuts, I was talking in the mirror. It's like the darkest times mm. like I've ever been in. And then it's quite funny that, that we're here, we're talking about Derek Ahern, boxing coach, and Mark Kernan, one of the boxers. Yeah. So one of my friends that passed away from mental illness two, two years ago, and um, that that he it almost killed me because with the information that I have now from being sober and I wish he was here to, to tell him that. Mm. So basically, I have his tattoo on my chest, which is which is uh, a boxer, Saint Saviour, because he was in Saint Saviour's and he's my saviour. I'm yeah. sober because of him. Yeah. So when this was all happening, and when I was like, I couldn't run from the island because I felt like I came to the end of time. People would be waiting on me to do the soil because my mind was completely gone. Yeah. And then if I went in to handle my nose, he wouldn't accept it. So I would have killed him because it was just such a negative environment, being honest. Mm. And then I was like, there's no way out. I came to the end of time. It's like I went too crazy. Yeah. What the fuck? How am I going to get out of this one? And then I started thinking about all the legends that have done it, mm. which is which is crazy. It's like they were looking down on me. Mark, Darren Sunderland, they came to the end of time. Mm. Ran everybody, reaching out for help. Nobody, you know, nobody. They'd be like, they were like, you'd be fine. Yeah. But they, it looked like everything was okay. It was paradise, palm trees, coconuts. Yeah. And even a TV producer, yeah. TV producer says to me, right, finishing the story. TV producer yeah. says to me, oh Glenn, uh, it's paradise. You're, you're living there. I'll come over with the crew, and you know, and I was like, oh, you don't understand. Yeah. I am in a bad place, and still they, they didn't get it. Yeah. And my mum called me, and my mum. If, if she's listening to this, it's like, I owe her my life. It's mm. like, it's even hard even talking about it. Mm. Um, but basically, my mum says, which is quite funny, she says, Glenn, listen to me very fucking carefully. She says, you're the best lawyer on planet Earth. She says, I've never met a lawyer. You've, you've YouTubed your way around the world. You've worked with crocodiles, travelled circuses. You've taught, you can't cook, you can't butter bread. And you've YouTubed, <laughs> you've YouTubed to go into the oil. You go on the toilet, when I was in the Ivy, they were asking me to cook lobster, and I went to the toilet on, and on YouTube came back out, and then they're like, "Where fucking problem? That lobster's unbelievable. Where'd you learn to cook that?" And uh, your man showed me two minutes before, and was recording him, and I said, "You, you, you showed me four minutes ago." And he's looking at me. This, this fella is something wrong with him. He's simple or crazy. I don't know which one. Yeah. But anyway, back to the story. She says you're the best lawyer, so I lied, and I was like, "Right, I didn't want to lie because I was done lying." Mm. So I told, went in and told them that my brother had an accident, mm. that. I had to, because I had to escape. I needed, I needed to escape. I had 24 hours to get out of there, basically. Everything was yeah. just coming underneath me. So then, this is where the captain comes in. This is where Captain Fancy Pants comes in. Which captain is, comes in to save the day. It's like, it's crazy. So I go home. Mm. I come home. I finally get the balls to seek professional help. But first of all... Very hard, that is, man. Honestly, yeah. just to even seek help in general. Like but, but I think, Dara, which is which what, what I'm baffled about, I always heard about... The mental health system known as joke, the protest, oh, yeah. everything, right? But I didn't, I wasn't educated yet. Yeah. And when people said it was a joke, I, I kind of thought it was a bit mad with the homelessness and with this 
So then I started getting reading books and studying. And then it was only 60 years ago where people like me was like chained. People like me was chained to, chained to desks. Yeah. Chained to, chained to bed. Electrocuted. Lost, lost the limbs, right? Yeah. And all that. And it's like all this was, I was researching it. And then I went to seek professional help to a counsellor. Mm. And the counsellor was sat there and not putting negativity on any counsellor or whatever. But when I was telling her all this, it was like she was looking at me like I felt very fucking uncomfortable. They say yeah. not every counsellor's for yeah. you. And then she says to me, Roy, go to your doctor and get a letter to, to come back. So we went to the doctor and he says, you're on a year and a half waiting list, right? And then from a year and a half waiting list, from I was on another waiting list to go back to the counsellor. Mm. So I could not believe this. So I went back on the welfare. Um, Covid happened, this and that. And I was saving each week to see to go private and then when my nana died I know she's 77 she's not going to live forever mm. but with all the pain that was happening from drink from trauma from everything basically what happened was I had enough and I was like I can't wait another 10 seconds I need answers ASAP I need to understand why I've done the things that I've done mm. why I can't let go why my mind is so chaotic and barbaric mm. so basically um, Jonathan Havercramp I want to thank and I want to thank ADHD Ireland for that constant time with, with meetings, reaching out to them. Yeah. And then um, got the answers, got answers. So being diagnosed two weeks ago with ADHD in the highest form, OCD plus, which is kind of a bit of, you know, psychosis. And it's kind of a, just a long story. But basically, um, when that was happening, I kind of gets, gets a phone call off Captain Dara here. Now, at the start, when, when, when he called me, we were... On fire, basically the two of us. You could you could hear it in your soul, and he was buzzing up my energy and yeah. about you know living free and about what he's doing and the same. And then I kind of was like, I know his face. Is that the Darren I'm thinking of? But then I also was like, not the way you meet so many people, Darren. You meet a million yeah, people, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're like, especially when you're abroad, like yeah. And I was like, is that the Darren at the time you were the poorest ship? That that can't be him. I was like, this is two fucking uh, months, five years ago. Mm. So then basically, I go on to his page and like, ma. You're not going to believe this. Mm. This is absolute bonkers. And first of all, I've got a girlfriend. <laughs> I have a girlfriend now. And I was supposed to meet her friends. And, and she's real, like, you know, dedicated. And, you know, if you make a promise to her, you have to stick to her. She's loyal yeah. to the car. Yeah. So then, all of a sudden, I look on the page, whatever. The day I get assessed, get the answers to all the problems that I've ever had, mm. a fucking captain of a Polish ship that met me five years ago called me to be part of his team. When I'm not even meant to be here. I was in the Cook Islands walking towards going walking on super yachts, open up a guest house in Madagascar, continuing living the dream that I'd been dreaming. Mm. And only because of that mental breakdown, that brought me the universe brought me back from basically the dead to to her, to be back to myself and seeking professional help was the best yeah. thing I've ever done. Yeah. Because the stigma around mental illness, this and that, and you know, you meet a lot of people like that they're almost afraid of the label because of yeah. years ago the way mental illness was treated and then now you're talking like you know you, you, you don't it's, everyone is labelled they don't want to be labelled as crazy but if you get professional help you can eliminate the intrusive thoughts you can eliminate all the negative behind it mm. I don't take medication but I'm going through CBT treatment at the minute and psychotherapy great, yeah. so you open your mind you expand your mind mm. and then if you look at Kanye West Einstein and all these other people right they've done extraordinary things with their life with professional help. It's yeah. okay to get professional help. Like, you look at, and then the story here, like, I, I went back, I met Polish just to work on, on stuff. I was working on, on a book, and they said, will you rebrand, will you rebrand Glenn? Mm. And then I was like, why do they not accept me for, and they says, well, journalists, journalists is going to eat your life. Mm. They gave me an app to download, and I was shocked, Dara. I was fucking shocked. 2,888 disturbing social media posts over the years, right? And I was like, I was looking at it, and I was like, that's not me. Mm. And the Glenn drunk. And then that's that's basically it's almost a crime to to be mentally disturbed. And it's it's almost a crime. It's even a bigger crime to speak yeah. up about it because it's like you're looking for attention and not a prick about mental illness. But the reason why I came home is that. So that basically is the story that brought me and the captain together. And I just find it amusing that the two of us cook and I threw me yeah. nice in the bin of the Cook Islands and yeah. the universe has pulled, has pulled and we're searching there. his journey was yeah. searching for his soul for Irish agriculture yeah. and my journey is searching for my soul to be clear of men mental illness and be alcohol free yeah. and at the perfect time the universe has just pulled us and you sitting and here it, man how this podcast started it's 
Derek, my boxing coach, sent me a story of yourself. Yeah. I was looking through it, I was like, man, that's unreal. Like, and I thought you were sailing off somewhere mad. Yeah, yeah. And then you were like, oh, yeah, I'm docking into Dom Maurice there now, lads. I'm like, yeah. what? He's five minutes that's down from my house. And I'm like, that. that is mental. But um, what I wanted to actually go back on was the mental health thing, because when I was 17, right, yeah. I was I, I was in college, so I, I went to college fairly fairly young age, like, and I was telling you this about my roommate. Yeah, um, yeah, man, that's he was perfect. yeah he he was living with me, and we were living in this mad house, right? So there's four lads in one room, and the whole house was twenty five lads, and it was a fucking it was a mad place, like it was a big student house, right? And everyone was drinking or whatever. No one really went into college, but we most like you would make the effort to kind of go in. But I realised, like, we, we had presentations. I was doing a marketing course. And my friend, Connor, anyway, and he went in the first day. And he was kind of, he was kind of eccentric, but he was different from everyone else. You get me? Yeah. He just, he wasn't, like, your bog-standard GA lad. He was real, like, he real deep thinker and intelligent or whatever. But he got up, made a presentation, and I could kind of feel that some people were kind of sniggering at him in a, in a bad way, like, you know? Yeah. Um, but at the time, like I didn't really have much emotional intelligence. Now, mm-hmm. I I should have been able to kind of say. Ever since then, he didn't go back into the college. He stayed in his room the whole time. And I was I always like, here, come on, come on, we we go, and he he'd stay there or whatever. And I I had no idea like what he was going through or whatever. But just fast forward then to your story about the counselor and stuff. Yeah, I went to a counselor and I in DCU after um. Sadly, Connor took his own life, but I went to that after that because I was affected by that badly because he was just just a legend. But I went to a counsellor after that and I had a bad experience, like you were saying, because I kind of opened up to your one and she was like, oh, yeah, there's tablets like you can take. And I'm like, I don't want to fucking take tablets. Yeah, there's other ways around it. There's other ways around it. I want to to naturally, do you know what I mean? And I want to spread the word about this, but... I I just had a bad experience with that, and I was just thinking like, like people should we need to educate people on the fucking topic of that. Like, well, I think it's mean? very brave what you're doing, and the story interlinks into what it says about what about Mark speaking about how Mark the night before my best friend died, mm. I messaged him, he called me, and he was in a bad place, and I could I could feel it in, from the universe and the vibes off the phone call, and I was like. Look, I've done fucked up stuff. We all make mistakes. And the last message I ever sent him was, just don't die me yet. Mm. I need you more than ever, right? And he had a t- he had my face on his T-shirt. Mm. So that has broke me to yeah, pieces. I've yeah. almost came close to the end. Yeah. But that story, what I'm at the same there, and your story, I think things happen for a reason. And why we're on this boat is because that life experience, you got information from yeah. that, and yeah. I got information. And the way you see it is, I, think, I always think in the back of my head, if Mark was alive or if your friend Connor was alive, you would have this information now mm. to give to other people. So already, and I don't want to sound like a pretentious prick or this and that, but people have reached out and of I'm not a counsellor and you're not a counsellor, so we can only give our information yeah. how we've dealt with the yeah. pain yeah. and in, in the best way possible. Yeah. Like, I find where it's really simple, but it's easier said than done. With my ADHD or with my mental health, what I've learned is if I'm scrolling all night, if I'm mm. eating shy, if I'm not training, if I'm not sleeping yeah. right, my mind is very negative, my thoughts are very negative. Mm. But if I'm sleeping right, if I shut down my Instagram for a few weeks at a time, if I'm eating healthy, if I'm training, you know, it's hard work, getting up, going oh, on yeah. a cycle, going training, mm. but you have to want that. James Slane, I don't know if you met him, mm. he's one of my biggest inspirations. People ask me, you know, is like, who's your inspiration? And they'd say, oh, is it Floyd Mayweather, is it Mike Tyson? It's James Slainer. James Slainer has been through the mill with injuries, and he trains twice a day. He works 10 hours a day. He trains twice a day. He rings me every single day. When I don't go train or whatever, the next day he'll call me, let's go on a cycle, Glenn. Mm. Let's go for a meal. And he always winds you up and buzzes off me and mm. says, you're a nutcase, you need to train. Nutcases need to train. But, <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I want to slap him for that, but yeah, I love yeah. him more than anything yeah. in the believing world. Mm. But people need to take note. Surround yourself with positive people like him. And that's the best. Feed, your, feed yourself positive information. Yeah, and with positive people as well. Like, yeah, yeah. You feed off them, like, to you, like, I'd say, you're feeding off each other. At the oh, moment. man, the energy. It's just, the it's, energy it's, is unreal. It's, like. it's, oh, yeah, even speaking of professional help, your man, the, 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 the counsellor says to me, do you ever think, where do you think you're born? And I says, I says to him, 
Then we saw, says, oh, plan it really far away. He says, but Glenn, but you have to listen to me a word. He says, 110 percent was. I oh, wasn't born on planet Earth. Mm. He says, Glenn, he says, you were born and you were done the hospital. Like, I have your birth certificate, I have your details here. I says, no, no, no. There's definitely some sort of mistake. Definitely come from me. So then, I was coming to terms with, coming to terms yeah. with my life. Yeah. I actually was yeah. born in the hospital. And then I meet Captain Fantastic. And then now I'm thinking, <laughs> we're born on the same planet and it's definitely not planet Earth. So, <laughs> so the morning, can, you can set the morning on fire. Yeah. The morning. Them sort of doctors and everything, they only work off textbooks they've learned. Yeah. You know, yeah. they don't go into the ancient remedies of psychology. Mm. And through my journey and bringing about a vast abundance of nature has it keys into a lot of different things around mental health. Mm. Now, with the world of technology, it's bringing us further and further away from the earth mm. and working with hands on with the earth's forces, you know, mm. and that is more medicinal. It's a lot more medicinally beneficial to work with the land, work with plants, trees, be in nature's environment, be in the essence of the energies of the world, mm. actually feel them, feel wow. the cold, Feel the warmth, feel the sea, oh, feel the breeze, feel the trees, dig holes, get dirty. You know, those are things that put your body and mind the at universe. peace. Oh, man. You know? I, I agree with you 100%. Sometimes I feel like when I feel shit, right? I'm just like, right, I'm going to go down to the sea, fuck myself in the sea, right? Yeah. And see what I think about then. It's the same thing with boxing when there's some fella so like you with no foam and his gloves trying to fucking hit you you're not thinking about anything else you're not yeah. you're just you're in tune or and when so talk to me i'm interested about that because here's a, sto a really quick story yeah. well derek ahern the boxing coach at ECU, yeah he brought me out when i came back the first week from suffering a mental breakdown he came back I came back and he asked me, we got in the soldiers room with the sea, couldn't even put my feet in, I was so scared and my mind yeah. was shattered. Then all of a sudden, with positive people like you and that around me and training, um, I jumped in the ocean there the other day and it was, it was cold, but you kind of got over it and then you feel alive when you get over it. So what does it do for you? Why would you constantly do it? Because you don't have to do it. This is the no, thing. I don't have to do it, but what, the way it makes me feel after, that's why I do it. And so your body has a thing, it's, it wants to get back into a homeostatic state. Yeah. So most times your body temperature is like 37 degrees. You jump into water, it's 10, 11 degrees. You're dropping that... Your body's like, fuck. So all your thoughts are... Your brain is just warm up, warm up, warm up. It's warming yeah. you up. It's not thinking about... It's not. You're not thinking about anything. Like You're not thinking about anything. And you're just in the moment, like. And I, I was actually watching the thing, like you were saying, with getting into nature. There's a documentary called Happy People. It's mm -hmm. about um, the na natives in Russia on the Taiga River, uh -huh. living off the land. And yeah. they're like, there's, there's no depression. Yeah. There's no... Because they're so in tune with nature, with everything around. They're living off the land. and that's just, You so know, you know what? There's just something so romantic about that's that. That's weird. Because um, I've never even talked about it. I totally forgot... Yeah. On the in at the Cook Islands, the population is about is about thousand people or five hundred people, whatever, up and down, and it's it's paradise. But I was interested in that topic, you know, mm. and I was researching it. And they look, you you actually ask. And first of all, these people are like it's like going back in time. People says, Glenn, stay away in the water. The snakes in the water. So we didn't get in the water for a month, yeah. And then I go by the water one day and I see an electric electric eel, a eel in the water. Fuck. And then I go into my boss and I say, right. Please don't tell me the snakes you were talking about is the eels in the water. And he says, yeah, yeah, the same. I says, it's not a snake. There's anacondas that kill you and there's eels. You can get in the water with eels. Eels is not going to go near you. Mm. Anacondas will. So I'd stayed away from the water for a month. So then I was asking them over there, suicide and depression. And they were like, they, didn't know, they didn't know what that, honest to God, they mm. didn't know what that meant. Mm -hmm. And it just goes to show the happy, because the, the materialistic things in life, I think, is taking over. Like, oh, yeah. your phone. There's something not in the right in your phone. I, I'm sober. The only reason I'm sober, when I was mentally disturbed and when I was under the influence, my kind of life coach, Jonathan McGuirk, which doesn't get enough credit, he doesn't even like being tanked. He's an absolute genius. Mm. He pulled me, he says, Glenn, you need professional help. You need this, you're delusion to the problem you have. You're talking shit on social media. Get the fuck off your phone and you get all the answers. And he says, will you, will you do something for me? And he says, yeah. He says, shut down your phone and read these books. Alan Carr is how to control alcohol and how to win friends and influence people that's the serious Dale Carnegie yeah serious book and we shut down social media and the, the scrolling replacing scrolling and putting it into educating myself then I understood right so how am I going to defeat ADHD OCD 
Mm. I bought every book on the shelf for ADHD. Mm. And you look at the problem face on. Alcohol, I looked at the problem. You can't run away from it. Now, Dara yesterday had two bottles of wine, yeah? Mm. Fine. He doesn't have a problem. Yeah. Other people can't think, oh, I can't be around drink. Yeah. They run away from the problem. We, we, me and you were actually discussing that earlier. Yeah. Like, I, to a lesser extent, I wouldn't go too mad on it, but I, I think when your system is pure, like we were talking about like Native Americans and stuff, mm-hmm. when they drink, absolutely fucks them up like yeah it's yeah. like a pure yeah, system yeah. i think people that are very in tune and stuff like it, yeah alcohol and stuff like that does had does have an effect obviously there's yeah, yeah. there's it's differences still, but it's like, still a poison it's still a poison man but, and but like, i think people deserve to enjoy themselves people definitely yeah. for instance right yeah. for instance you dara could saturday night two of us go out me and you go out right yeah three of us go say Used to. Yeah, thanks for including me. Used to. Fucking do you got off on Yeah. Anyway, look, yeah. used to. We go out on a night out on a Saturday night. This is the best way to describe it. And used to have get smashed and do. It's not. Wake up the next day, clean the pirate ship. You know, go to work. Me, obviously, out five days later and yeah. getting even crude here and rude about it, like driving cars off mountains mm. like doing the most outrageous stuff and that I like bringing this one up because this is a prime example of it and it's very vulgar but and it's not going to ruin anyone's podcast mm-hmm. or no. listening but I've I have a girlfriend now and I was suffering so much with anxiety for the old plan what I've done the most outrageous stuff when I look back that wasn't planned that was Oscar people said to me today I got a message today Glenn do you remember you flooded Noah's Hospital in Bondi um, you flooded the whole hostel, you set the fire pumps off and you ran and you got us all kicked out. And I look at that and I, I, I message him back and he says, I says, excuse me, uh, that was Oscar, that wasn't me. Because I look at that, 110% that wasn't me. It's like I lived two lives. And then my friend says, prime example, oh, does your new girlfriend know you pissed in your mouth, right? And I'm like, <laughs> so I got so anxiety. It's funny, yeah. right? It is, it is, it is funny. Yeah. But when I was drunk one time, egotistic, obnoxious, arrogant, with ADHD, with OCD, with suffering from, from alcohol addiction. I go in and do all this outrageous stuff, drive cars off mountains, and I can't sleep when he says that. I'm constantly thinking, oh, fuck, is she going to think of me as, yeah. as a low-life... think I'm a fucking weirdo or low something. Low-life, yeah, yeah, weirdo, yeah, yeah, yeah. freak, which... Yeah, these people can call me crazy. Yeah. I was crazy, but I was suffering with mental illness. So you take the count... I let go for the first time since two weeks ago. I let go. Because Jonathan Havercrump and... One of the best counsellors in, in Ireland says to me, and he puts it simply, he says, Glenn, listen to me. You need to get that off your chest. You need to speak about that because that's very dangerous yeah. holding that in. That's when you're, you're triggered to go back on the drink or back on the drugs. And basically he says, the problem was never, never ADHD. The problem was never you. Mm. The problem was mixing addiction with this. And back to use. Use could run for a president campaign. Use could run, use could become, if you drank on Saturday, went on a mad run, use could become run for a presidency or become a politician on Friday. He's be fine. But me, I'll be fucking behind bars and in a coffin because you're mixing that on top of that. And that's when I, that's when it's time. If it gets to that stage, you're projectile vomiting every day. And if people are saying, you're the loser, stop drinking, because you're not going to know you have a problem. Do you know what I mean? It's just listen and listen to people and kind of, if you're scared about owning up to having a problem, just kind of go on YouTube, read Alan Carr's How to Control Alcohol, and you will get the answers you're looking for. Yeah. Happiness. That's yeah. all it is. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I even found, like, we were, I remember you were saying about your passions combined them, how you've done it here. Like, that's the reason I really set up this podcast, because I loved radio, I loved editing and yeah. presenting stuff, and I also love boxing, and I love in- interviewing interesting people. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, how can I bring these all together, like, yeah. and I was like right a podcast put it out there but for so long I was like oh, what will people think I, anxiety it's over yeah, it yeah, like amazing. will people think I'm like fucking Egypt for doing yeah. this like oh, I was just I was kind of like really putting it on the long finger long finger and one day I just clicked and it's it's just such a nice feeling when you actually put yourself in an uncomfortable position yeah, like, yeah. like you're doing right at but, the moment but, like what you're doing sailing from fucking it's so uncomfortable but being comfortable <laughs> In, in that position, yeah, yeah. it's it's just there's a beauty. To that I think yeah, it's I think it's it's so beautiful about a lot of people say like you know they're looking to me and Darren we're living the dream this and that, but it's it's actually 
people like you, and I mentioned James Slayner, I look up to, you know, you are like inspirations. You're, you've worked your, your uh, educational background, you're going to Canada, you've worked non-stop and you're highly educated and you're so passionate about listening and, and even on this boat, the energy you're bringing, you, you really, it's like Aaron Butler, there's something down in Dunboyne in the water. <laughs> you are like, something, something in the water down here, but, but it's like, you're doing that and the thing is, it's like, one person in your area say, like, what you, your life experience, all it takes, people, Blowing Boy says the best, if, if 100,000 people call you a, a prick for, um, speaking up about mental health looking for attention let them if one person odds is one single yeah, if it resonates person, with one and, person and if one person's listening to it it's like you know even with writing if one person reads your book it's worth that, it it's worth it yeah. that's all it is that's all it takes do you know yeah. what I mean yeah 100% I'd 100% agree with that because all you need is one person and then the word of mouth one person spreads it on like but today actually I got to experience the full experience of what we did was we uh, we're chopping up potatoes and fucking we did a salad and we had a John Dory one of the lads fathers actually brought John Dory and was it two hake as well two hake two yeah, hake yeah. and can you just explain like what you did like how did you prepare it and then um, yeah so we were doing the the potatoes in um, a traditional Swedish fashion mm. where normally you would use a cheese grater yeah peel potatoes grate them as in you were grating cheese and just fry them off in a pan mm. bit of salt lovely crispy potatoes that come out mm. and then we done John Dory season it up herbs a mix of herbs salt pepper on both sides mm. stuck it on a lubed up grill <laughs> straight into the grill grilled it on both sides beautifully grilled kind of smoky flavour coming off it made a a light vinaigrette with oil rosemary uh, lemon juice and small bit of elderflower honey mm. that was just for the the John Dory and then just made a salad from lettuce, mixed leaves, mixed them together. And then we done the hake in a mix. It was Glenn's mix. Glenn's special mix. Glenn's special <laughs> yeah, mix. Um, yeah, shout out to Dean Ron. Um, in New Zealand, I uh, was working in uh, a fancy kitchen. It's, um, basically, we done... Dara is... Uh, people are complaining, why is Dara doing all the cooking? Well, that's... Captain is is the, is in charge. It's, yeah. it's he's in charge. So he's the head chef. So I'm his number two. So I give him a dig out. But basically, we done um, a kind of New Zealand dish. And one thing what I'd like to say is, it's uh, a lot of people think I'm happy that a lot of people are reaching out to us and like us that we're talking about this because yeah. living the dream. People think you know you're living on noodles and beans. Yeah, but they also think it's shy, easy. Like, so yeah, yeah. they also think it's easy. You have pictures of palm trees and that. Mm. The if you want to live the dream, the hard work you put in. You have sometimes you have to do twenty four yeah. hours a day. And then it's the people like. Like Mr. Lee coming along and giving us giving us the fish, but mind you, Dara has the smallest stove ever, and um, because the two of us have been chefs, we've experienced all these little dishes that's coming together, and we're gonna be working on like coming back and forward to doing like crazy Canadian shit, like lobster cocktails and other stuff, mm. which is showing people that it's easily done. You have a stove, mm. all it is is just now is the perfect time. YouTube cooking, always learned how to cook on YouTube. Yeah. YouTube recipes and then by the time COVID's over by the time the darkness goes away you know you have instead of ordering takeaways or eating bad food you have access to cook like the just as good as any chef because I've yeah. learned off YouTube and it tells you yeah. the temperature mm. the time yeah. and everything <laughs> you were telling us a story just there um, when you were working in the Ivy wasn't it yeah yeah. That, uh, <laughs> you were saying you went to the bathroom or something can you tell that again that was so, so basically um, I'm I'm not better than anyone. I come from an unprivileged area in Doris Estuary. But when I left, I was like, there's something more. I, I was I was in a fucking mental place. Derek O'Hearn pushed me to save my life. Yeah, great, man. I was a boxer, but I was drinking or being stabbed or drove cars because I was just off my rocker because of mental illness and drink. So from there, long story short, I, I went away to Australia. I was blagging my way into crocodile farms, to circuses, to... One time I rocked up to a building site, light, and the guy says, uh, Mr. Murray, uh, what are you here to operate? And I turned around and pointed, I says, that there, and he says, Mr. Murray, that's a steamroller. And I says, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I says, yeah, I know it's a, I says, I know it's a steamroller. I says, G give me a break, yeah. I says, I'm just awake, I'm hungover. So I went to the toilet, YouTube and steamrollers but it wasn't really coming up because they're all different so I went back out and, and they got the model of it and went back in and then he put me in the steamroller and literally in the steamroller there's two buttons go and stop 
and then there's a button for the, the grind, the rolling the steam. Yeah, went yeah. on to the field, whatever. He says, it's $23 an hour, all right. I says, eh, how about 35? Um, and we call it quits. He says, yeah, yeah, no problem, 35. So that's when I started learning. I had mental illness, so I didn't give a fuck. I, was, yeah. I didn't want to go home. I deserved, I think, I thought I deserved a better life than mm. the addiction side of, of Doris Estuary. So anyway, cooking after sober, I found it really easy. I was sober. And then I was like, right, I have all this energy, yeah? Yeah. Sober. Now is the time to step it up and walk into, I don't want to cook, no, nothing against anybody in Nando's, McDonald's or yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. But the way my brain works is, I wanted to cook in the best kitchen in the world and I knew I had to move fast. I was 32, I needed to learn fast. So, anyway, apply for this job, gets an interview with the Ivy. Didn't even know anything about it. Go for the interview and he's like, oh, the caliber of cooking that we've cooked for. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck, this is bollocks. I'm fucked from every <laughs> angle of the globe, right? So then I go in, I go in and he's like, in the interview, where's your knives? I didn't have knives. Mm. John didn't probably listen to this, he's probably going to kill me. But uh, basically, didn't have knives. And um, he says, where's your knives? I says, ah, they're, in, they're in Sweden, they're on the way. Lying to him. He says, right, you start Monday, this is Friday. I says, no, Jonathan. I says, I'm sorry. Mm. I says, I, I can't wait any longer. The kitchen is a fast kitchen, I need to learn quick. So, I'm starting today. He said, so then he forgot. Mm. He's, he forgot and he's like, we go downstairs, we go downstairs. And um, we go downstairs. And he's telling the team, this is Glenny Starts Monday. And I say, sorry, Jonathan, I start now. And he's like, what? No, you're not on the contract. I says, I'm working for free. And I'm doing it. So then I started working. So I go in, started YouTube. And then in New Zealand, even, for instance, mm. they'd ask me to get all these mad ingredients. Or they'd ask me to, like, I put them through so much trouble in New Zealand. It was like, it was embarrassing, you know, the level they're cooking over there. They'd ask me to go back to get parsley. Didn't know what parsley was. I was getting coriander. I'm not messing, yeah. And... It was it was embarrassing, but then I just play stupid like um, chorizo and uh, another me. He asked me to get chorizo and I hand him pastrami or something. Mm. And then he, he says, Are you for real? Get the fuck out of this kitchen. And then I just turned around and just says, Nobody could take me serious because of ADHD. I turned around and says, uh, I, I says, I'll just see him you like. And he says, He's laughing. He says, Good one. Don't, don't make any more mistakes like that. So just YouTubing. To drive steamrollers to walk with crocodiles and I found first of all I was mentally ill and it's a uh, and I didn't know but that's what so I'm glad that happened because I've lived yeah to I've understood my energy now yeah. I know how far I can go oh yeah with my energy we're just going back to being thrown in uh, like I think the way I learn anyway is being thrown into the deep end yeah you Richard Grant and all yeah, says you just yeah. get thrown into the deep end and you either sink or swim like that's one of the best ways and it yeah, brings you yeah. on nicely into actually how you learn to sail like yeah. <laughs> you were telling me so you were in Mexico and I thought you were going to say I was chatting away to you I thought you were going to like ah yeah this fella mentored me for a few months or whatever like and then you just said to me no he mentored me for two hours and it was like off you go it was like what yeah, <laughs> to tell me a little bit about that and so I, I was doing a cycle through Mexico it was about 450 kilometres on a little girl's bike with a Portuguese guy like you know <laughs> <laughs> it's the only money I had like to buy a bike it was a small little girl's bike with a nice basket on the front and we arrived to a cafe we were using wifi and a guy comes over he's like do you want to go on a sailing tour, lads? I can bring these to Cenote days. We're going to go snorkeling. We're going to go to natural mud baths. We'll have a park lunch and everything. Mm. We're like, no, we're on our budget. Like, we have our tents around the corner in the field. We're just using a bit of Wi-Fi. And he's like, these have flights. Uh, he's going anywhere. Do you have anything booked? We're going, no, we don't have anything booked. We barely any money. It's like, right, lads. I need sailors for a season. Mm. Now, he was an ex-militant, mad... <laughs> You know, yeah, Mexican, yeah, yeah. like proper Mexican, loved partying, mm. you know, loved having a good time. Really great guy, like got on with him really well. Mm. So we met him and he's like, I have two boats there. They're unrigged. They need to be fixed, rigged, and you can work them. I'll train you. You can work them for the season. You can make a lot of money. So we were like, right, he's going to teach us how to sail. Yeah. We're going to make money. This is amazing. Win, so win, like, yeah, we yeah. jumped on that. We brought the tents down to the harbour, set up a place down there. Mm. And there was no catamaran from the 80s, the trampoline was broke, there was no rigging, sails were broke. So he said, right, you have a week to fix it. I got the needle and tread out, started treading, stitching up a trampoline, stitching up the sails, rigging the ropes. Within a week, I had one of the boats rigged. They had another, the other lads were working on the other boat. They were like, right, you're going to focus on the 18-foot catamaran for now. 18-foot catamaran, no engine. And 
then after the week came, brought us out for about two hours to train. We went out with his girlfriend once because she was just getting used to us okay. to see what we were capable of. Mm. You know, mm. with the with the minimal construction. Yeah. And we gave her the confidence in that. Mm. Not that it was any more than yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> a bit of confidence. <laughs> but like, you know, Mexico is lawless, you oh, know. Yeah. There's no health certificates, no insurance, yeah. there's no But that's what you're saying, like it's it's a good kind of lawless. Like, you yeah, know, you can experience, yeah, you can experience so much. Experience with so so yeah, there's three minutes left on the podcast. Just letting you know in case you're talking about losing your virginity and it goes off. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We have four that, minutes to count, boys. That, that was your your favourite subject. You oh, wanted to bring that up, did you, Glenn? Like? <laughs> <laughs> you know, four minutes is not enough, boys. But basically, yeah, I was in Fort Ventura in um, the Canary Islands, and um, I was only just and fourteen, and basically, really quick. Um, a girl, a fella, was a bit mad. He was looking after me. He was in a playground. And this girl was easily 12 years older. And he, he was with her. This is fucking nuts even talking about. No wonder why I'm fucking mentally disturbed. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he says, show Glenn. Introduce Glenn to the, to the game or something, you know. She came in the playground and she starts um, kissing me, putting her hands down my trousers, mad stuff. And I, I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on, you know. I was oblivious and blind. I was like, what the absolute fuck. So anyway... Went home, a new man, I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm kind of at the half pop my cherry, didn't know what was going on. So in the restaurant the next day, had a towel around me neck. And my mum was like, Glenn, why have you got a towel around your neck? It's 45 degrees out. And I was like, Maha, I'm fucking, I'm like, I'm cold, I have the flu. And she said, Glenn, if you don't take the towel off, my mum, no one messes with my mum. Mm. And if you don't take the towel off your neck, I'm going to box the face off you. So I took it off and she starts screaming the restaurant down, ran out. To go and kill kill the woman and I was my mum's I'm my mum's I'm a mammy's boy do you know what I mean yeah. so it was weird just even talking about that because sometimes you think back back to that like that's fucking that's bonkers <laughs> like, that's bonkers but that introduced me to the game anyway <laughs> jeez I'm thinking boys. captain captain you've two minutes captain you've two minutes under pressure yeah no it was with a lovely girl from the age of 14 but then you know we were in the bed one day and we were like do you, want to, do you want to see what it feels like? Like, you know? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So the dude was like, yeah, fuck it. And then, like, 15 seconds later, and then yeah. we were like, I was like, bollocks. Because, you know, I came inside it, like, you know? Yeah, 15, and, 15 and we're 14. seconds. Oh, and both of us are 14. We're thinking, <laughs> we're thinking, we have babies now, like, you know, oh, if a kid fuck. comes out now. Oh, hey, Jesus. Running around, there's some porter running around. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was the first fifteen seconds. Of <laughs> what, was, what was that name? <laughs> uh, don't no, be saying no, that no. now. <laughs> All stories shall remain nameless. So my my one's pretty similar, but the only difference is in the field, proper drinking, and then with uh, a sheep. <laughs> yeah, 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 with a sheep. <laughs> and then I actually, jeez, the candles just after going out here. Um, it's getting kinky. What? It's getting kinky. Yo. But uh, I. Like literally just ran away from her after I finished up. But yeah, man, man that was an hour. Like, how did yeah, I, it? It didn't uh, even seem like it was an hour. And when it, the three of us went on this, shared the same energy and just positive yeah. energy and just want the same of life to help people to give back. And it's uh, it's that it's it's infectious. It's a pleasure. Man. It's it's yeah. It's bouncing off each other. I I just wanted just a quick story, right? So the first time I met you, just there, I I believe in kind of first time kind of connections oh, I, I, I thought there was something there like two energy and the same definitely. with yourself when I met yeah. you at the start just even working around here like I was like you know you, you have a connection with people and similar interests and obviously definitely, living definitely. Off the same land energy and, and kind of a lot not many people understand me but the ones that do is, is special souls and it's, it's a definitely connection I never laughed as much when you dropped me home after uh, when I had pa- unpadded gloves on <laughs> you still get me left home. That's when you know you have a friend for life, isn't it? <laughs> you tried to break me up and then <laughs> still drop me home, yeah. yeah. So amazing podcast there with two unbelievable lads. So if you want to hear more of them crazy stories, then you need to get to Live Life Sexy podcast where Glenn interviews Dara and interviews other people and has just a brilliant outlook and he's his podcast is unbelievable so i just want you to go to live life sexy the instagram page 
and his podcast have a listen to it it is unbelievable the information just the laughs like i've never like really listened to something else where i just like laughing out loud like i was cycling my bike today and i was just laughing out loud and look if any of this resonated with you if it affects you in any way i'd love to hear it on my social media page you know just drop us a dm or whatever and say hey look that that was that was that was good i liked it or maybe you could improve on this because i'm always looking for feedback so and i really appreciate that and that really gives me energy when people say hey dara look that that um that that episode was class or or that episode is really good and i i went through something similar myself like i i really get energy off messages like that and people like that so just like don't be afraid to just send me a text like I'd, I'd really appreciate it and that gives me energy that gives me fire to keep going and keep making these podcasts because I'm going to keep turning them out and I'm going to do them every Monday and that's what it's about so just big thanks to Derek Ahern as well because basically if this if it wasn't for him this podcast wouldn't have happened and also shout out to in Dumour East as well and um, Mr. Lee as well for providing the fish for the lads. He's absolute legend, and uh, they really appreciated that. And uh, hope you enjoyed it. And uh, thanks very much. See ya.